This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. All right, so let's hit up the hotline and uh, welcome in a gentleman that spent, um, well, his entire weekend up in Rochester at the PGA Championship. He is Andrew Shepard. He's joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. You might know him from the OU radio crew. Uh, so that means that he has to put up with Plank. He's got to put up with Toby, which, oh, my gosh, that Toby character. Let me tell you, what a difficult guy to deal with. What's up, Andrew? How are you, buddy? Hey, Pop. How, how you been? Man, it, it's been a, a fun week, to say, say the least. I, I just got back in town uh, a few hours ago, so, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that you're a little bit uh, wary from the weekend it was. What day did you go up? Yeah, so last Monday, uh, uh, flew in on Monday, got there around mid mid afternoon, got into my to my hotel, went straight to the course, and during that time, I'm just going there. I, I'm able to get a card, just sort of see all the surroundings and everything where I need to to basically get around the course and get around the uh, uh, thousands of fans and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was last Monday and then I was there through all the practice rounds. Um, so, yeah. Do you try to go on a, on a trip like this uh, once a year, Andrew? Like what was the process with you well, <laughs> heading up to Rochester? Yeah, so last year, you know, being the spotter for for OU Radio and having that experience and and everything, I was like, you know, how how can I, um, you know, do that at, like in a in a golf setting? Well, last year at Southern Hills, I I grew up in in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and I was a caddy at Southern Hills during my high school days, and so I was like, man. You know, I'd, I'd like to be a spotter, you know, for the on-course reporters. So I just reached out to uh, ESPN just right up and got to the right person, and they got me on to be a spotter for, for North, Andy North, um, two-time U.S. Open champion. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> main on-course reporter. Um, but, yeah, having that uh, connection with uh, – you know, uh, Plank, the uh, voice of uh, OU softball, and uh, with uh, with T. Rowe being the voice of the Sooners, it, it kind of helps, I would say. Um, but uh, yeah, so I did that last year, uh, all with North and other talent and whatnot. And then um, they they needed me for this year, so I was like, heck yeah! So that's how I ended up at Rochester all week. Okay, so is this going to be something that lives on in uh, perpetuity, Andrew? Like, uh, how many how many more are you are you just going to be like a, as a as need basis? Because I would imagine that you're never going to say, yeah, you know what, I'm busy that weekend when when Andy North calls. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna keep this up, man. I, so I'm I'm planning on doing the PGA Championship as long as they'll let me. So, um, so yeah, and hopefully I can, uh, with my experience, uh, you know, try to parlay this into uh, maybe going to uh, Augusta National. Ooh. Who knows? But um, but yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's kind of chronicle what the weekend was like from a weather perspective. I mean, you essentially, you guys ran the gamut of of all different types of of weather. Um, kind of walk me through what that experience was was like a little bit because it it was at times similar to what we kind of ran through here a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of the craziness last year. 
But uh, it seemed like that the weather had such a major impact on the opening days of of that tournament, uh, Andrew, uh, because that was a grind for everyone. And uh, almost every golfer said the same thing when asked about the weather. Their their typical response was, yeah, it's brutal out there. Yeah, so the the weather looked according to plan, like the the week of and everything. It it looked like um, just Saturday was going to be the one where there was there was rain and everything, and uh, and on Friday that day it was the weather forecast. Even the Rochester like. Uh, meteorologist and and everything had it as like a a nice sunny day in the mid 70s (laughs) sunny and everything like that and then of course it starts it starts raining uh like yeah it starts raining a lot it was it was good in in the morning on friday but then later in the afternoon it just kept on raining and then of course we knew the next day on saturday that it was going to be uh the predominant rain day and it, it definitely was i mean from morning until late afternoon it rained all day but uh friday was a little bit of a a, a questioning of the uh, meteorologist in uh, rochester new york um but uh man the final round uh the weather out there couldn't ask for a better final round weather-wise i mean it was like it was like low 70s sunny all day um, not a cloud in sight, but uh, I think, you know, the weather did uh, impact some uh, people, especially, you know, the the first round, it, it seemed like it was very, uh, players were saying it was very hard, like on the, on the greens and the fairways. Um, so the rain definitely helped. And you saw that with the scores that uh, some of the guys posted up in those, um, those final two rounds. So, so yeah, but it was an adventure uh, just dealing, especially for the caddies, you know, handling everything on that on that Friday and Saturday uh, with all the rain. So Andrew, you can explain a little bit more about the course itself. It looked absolutely gorgeous, and you know, this is another example of that group that Kerry Hay is with, with the same group that worked here at the PGA uh, at Southern mm-hmm. Hills. That they go back and they do the. Uh, the term is not renovations, but they go back through and basically find the old layouts of these courses and kick it back to like 1920s, 1930s style golf. Oak Hill is the exact same way. I know that the rain was it was a big factor there, but the, but the entire course layout seemed to get rave reviews outside of the the deep rough. I mean, even Phil was talking about you know giving the PGA a round of applause with the way that they set the course up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the layout overall, like with what Andrew Green was trying to do with the restoration is get it back to the old Donna Ross design uh, to where you had these aggressive edges on, on the green um, and everything right there. You have whole, whole new greens with a whole new um, uh, watering um, to where they can, you know, the water can go into to certain areas and not flood. So the drainage was really nice right there. There really weren't any issues when the rain came up. Um, and overall, yeah, the course condition was just immaculate. Uh, the only complaints that, that I saw were just with the fairways, especially like on 17, um, with the fairways being narrow, if you land it right in the middle of the fairway, it'll still run right into the rough. 
and and whatnot. So there was something right there. Um, there were some choice words by um, a uh, KU Jayhawk uh, named Gary Woodland, but yep. um, whenever I saw them, but uh, overall. There were a lot of compliments on the course overall. Trust, um, trust me, Andrew. We heard them on the ESPN broadcast on ESPN Plus. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because they don't they don't have the same requirements as CBS does. But if you were watching the featured holes, you heard every bomb. You heard every f bomb. You heard, yep. and it was. By the way, that's not me complaining. That's spectacular. I want to hear the frustration from those guys. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, there certainly was at times uh, with with me. Uh, following uh, Woodland. Uh, there were a few others just uh, listening along on the range uh, as well. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a tough one for those guys. It was a great challenge. But, you know, that, that's what we're looking for, you know, in major golf. And, you know, Brooks Kepler just did an amazing job just getting through the whole week and putting himself in great position to, to put up a score. Um, and, you know, he's – Man, he is like you said. He's at the top right now, um, and he's he's turned things around mentally. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was great to watch. So Andrew Shepard is our guest. Um, I'm going to let you tell your John Rom story because I was watching. I was watching the shot off of was that it <laughs> was that at eight. So eight. so so at yeah. eight, we look and. The conversation instantly switches to John Rahm is looking for his ball up against the temporary fence that is there. I'll let you pick up from there, but you and Rahm and everyone else, you were on full display at that time to the world with that entire scenario playing out. So how did you save John Rahm a shot at eight? Yeah, so I I didn't know this, but the there's, on on the right side of eight uh, is uh, the driveway that we that we coming into like all the broadcast people and everything like that that we come along to into every day and over in that area over the fence is pretty much pretty much a driveway like it, it's just a driveway through and then there's a fence on the other side of it um, so Rom hit his drive to the right I was on the opposite side of the fairway. And it clanked off the tree and went over the fence. I, I saw it clearly, uh, but no one else on that hole saw it. Like, none of the people that were under the tree saw it or anything like that. And so I, I go over to the fence. We look around for it. I tell North, it, like, it went over the fence. Um, and we pointed out in the fairway back at the tee box to tell them, hey, you know, it went over, just pointing that way. And Rom comes up to, you know, look at everything and see what people saw. I, I went up to him because I was the only one that saw it and told him it hit the tree hard. It went over the fence. And he was like, why didn't you uh, signal to me back at the tee box? And I was like, well, me and North did. We did. And then he got frustrated, and then that's when he lashed out at the cameraman. <laughs> uh, if you saw that video <laughs> right there, be, being up close to him, I didn't think they were too close, but he he wasn't playing well that day anyway before that. Um, so he was just visibly frustrated overall uh, with that break. And so it would come to find out that he, like, that's not – that's not like a um, 
a boundary fence, I guess you would say. And so he, he was able to get release, even though there's a fence, on, like there's a road and there's a fence on the other side. And so we saw the ball through the fence. A guy threw it back over, and he was able to check with the rules guy and get a drop. Yeah, and they did. I thought they did a pretty good job on the broadcast explaining that. So it was described as a temporary immovable obstruction. Yeah, Uh, and and we saw you just saw the ball just kind of float back over the top of the blue fence. I was like, okay, that's something new that's there. And then they they went through and they were checking with the rules officials, and he got relief. And then I think hit a pretty decent shot from there. But yeah, I thought that that was. that was a very unique moment that presented one of those viral moments with the attack on the cameraman. Yeah, and I, I would have never thought I, I would be in a position to, like, you know, uh, maybe go to blows with uh, the number one uh, golfer in the world or something yeah. like that, you know, giving me the uh, stare down and everything. So, uh, yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. There's there's no doubt. Uh Final final one for me is, and like we can say, and we can talk about Brooks. I mean, you kind of chronicled it as well. I mean, what an unbelievable performance and a guy that's truly flexed his muscle and improving that no matter what tour that you play on, that dude's one of the best in the world. I have to ask you, though, about the swell of support that grew throughout the week for maybe what you would call like the entire or the, the biggest story of the weekend outside of Brooks, and, and that mm-hmm. is – a a tour club or a, a, a club professional that's playing that just captivated the world this weekend with every single interview. I know that you said that you are now mm-hmm. officially in the fan club of Michael Block, but as that continued to build this weekend, Andrew, how amazing was that setting and maybe one of the more unique sports stories that we've had in quite some time? Yeah, so I, I was lucky enough just, just with what I was doing uh, that day uh, to where I was able to watch. I, I So I was in the group behind Rory and, and Block. I was with Scheffler and Rose. So uh, they were ahead of me, um, uh, you know, one hole or at the hole at the green. Um, so I was able to watch some of the shots that Block and Rory hit from time to time. And, I'm always out ahead of the of my group, you know, watching where the balls go in the fairway where they land so I can get yardages to north or whoever that I'm working with. Um, so I, I'm going along like Block didn't really – I saw some of the shots that he had, but he, he really didn't have – he didn't have a good day. Um, yeah. Like on the front nine, he was just two over – he really wasn't putting in any birdies, but all the crowd was just cheering him on and cheering him on. And then we get to get to 14, short par four. Um, uh, they're you know they're up ahead on the green. They finish out. So a uh, drive goes left by Rose, and so I'm going over there to see where it's at and identify it. Rose comes up, and I let him know, hey man, you know it's right over here and everything, and he needs a rules official. And so I try to find the rules official. I get the rules official. And then all of a sudden I hear this just massive eruption. I'm like, something went, something happened at 15. Was it, was it Rory? Uh, I was thinking maybe it was Rory. Someone hit it close. 
I come over to the right at 14 where all the cameramen and all the uh, guys that are walking the course, uh, on-course commentators, and I run into uh, uh, Trevor Immelman's brother, uh, Mark, who's on-course reporter for CBS, and he told me, block, block hold it. I was like, you, you what? <laughs> you gotta be, you, you gotta be kidding me right now. Like I, I was the same as block was like, you know how that happened. And, um, but man, what a moment that was. Uh, and all the New York crowd was just phenomenal cheering them on the whole day. You can hear it from hole to hole. Um, and it was such a great moment for the game of golf as well. And then also for me moving on to 18, you know, with me being out in the fairway at 18, I got to watch Block hit that amazing third shot uh, from just below the hole. It was ridiculous how, how good that shot was to put it to, like, in that spot left to, like, six, seven feet. And, yeah. of course, he makes it. Of course, of course right. he does. I, it gets I, up and down for par. I saw that third shot, and when I picked my jaw up off the floor – about being in that moment, the first thing I thought was, how in the hell do you walk up there and have the composure to be able to hit that seven-footer, right, to to qualify yeah. yourself to stay T15? I, yeah. I mean, there's there's no way I thought, oh, my God, he's going to hit this shot. He's going to miss this putt. He'll still be as gracious yeah. as everyone yeah. else, but it will take the air out of everything. And I was 100% wrong. I I cannot get over the composure that he had the entire weekend. Yeah. I, I mean, he, yeah, he just settled in. He just did his thing. And, you know, it, it it's such an amazing story. And that's what the game of golf, that's what you love to see. Uh, that's really what you do love to see. As guys like that, they're working hard every day, helping other people at their, at their course. Um, grow into the game of golf and everything like that. And it, it's just phenomenal. And for me, I, I was fortunate enough to see the shots they made, especially on 18, um, that par putt. I was out in the middle of the fairway. I was the only person out in the middle of the fairway um, when watching that putt the whole time while I was supposed to, you know, track down the yardages for Scheffler and Rose. I was walking to their to their balls in the fairway while watching Block make that putt and the, the crowd just cheering on everything. I, I wish I could have t- taken a video, but um, it was it was a moment for me that I'll I'll never forget. Um, it was a great memory and the whole tournament as well. It, it was just a great setting there. New Yorkers were awesome. Um, great tournament. So, that's yeah. awesome, man. I'm I'm happy now that you've had two opportunities to be able to do that as a spotter, and hopefully that continues on forward for you in PGA Championships. Uh, I'm glad that you uh, made it back home safely as well, man. Thank you so much for jumping on for a few moments with us this afternoon, kind of chronicling how your weekend was, and we'll ha- definitely have to do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely, Pop. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much, Andrew. All right, that's uh, that's Andrew Shepard joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Yeah, how about that? So he spots for for Toby on the football broadcasts. He had just sent a random message after having an opportunity uh, to to spot for a few years to ESPN about hey, if you guys ever need like a spotter, he gets the call up, does the PGA last year at Southern Hills, gets the call again this year, and goes up. 
to Rochester and gets to follow behind the ropes in maybe one of the most badass things you can do, because I got to do it one day last year before they kicked us out, <laughs> is be in the ropes and follow behind those groups and be there for every big moment and feel like that you're on the inside of every conversation, every argument, every B-fest that's going on with these golfers. It That's spectacular. So I want to thank Andrew for taking a few moments to come on with this and describe how that entire situation was. Oh, do you know what else came out of the weekend, Matt, from the, uh, the PGA? What was that? Yeah, you, you can golf with your hat on backwards and everything's okay. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I saw a lot of people have issue with that. I, uh, well, yeah, I don't I personally why do, understand why do we do that? it. Because people... Why, why, what difference does it make if you wear your hat backwards or not? Do you think for a moment that that automatically shifts your ability to be able to play golf at a high level? No, it doesn't. Why are they doing that? Because they don't want water dripping off of the bill in front of them. That's why they're yeah. doing it. Hey. And they still have sponsors that they have to cater to. You ever tried to hold a golf yeah. club with soaking wet hands? Unbelievable <laughs> what we find a way to complain about. Thanks to Andrew for joining us. A, uh, a good, good 918 native. All right, it's 225. Take a timeout. Come back with more next here on the Blitz 1170, live from the Ike's Chili House Studios. Don't forget, Wednesday, 3.30, it's OSU baseball in the Big 12 tournament. Another Bedlam game right here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.